if that ratio of customer value to acquisition cost is not greater than three, you're most likely not growing your business. You're probably flatlining. If it's less than that, you're probably burning cash. We are back with another episode of the Cold Star Project, the podcast about the unexpected challenges of scaling. My guest today is John Garuti, the third, one, two, three, and uh, he is running a brokerage called Digital Acquisitions. And I wanted him on because he and I run into each other and then talk to a lot of the same people and whatnot and discovered that there are a lot of misconceptions or just things business owners don't know. Uh, when it comes to selling their business. And I thought, well, if I have John on, he can explain what these common issues are and what to do about it ahead of time. You need to do this ahead of time, folks, uh, so that you don't get surprised by a really low valuation for your business. So, John, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure and happy to drop some knowledge on your audience. You bet. Well, let's do it. Okay, so tell us about a typical experience that uh, where, where a business owner comes to you and they're ready to sell. What, what happens? What do they find out that maybe they wouldn't be too happy about? Yeah, so typically I think the biggest challenge is a lot of them come in thinking their business is worth X when it's nowhere near close to X. Um, for example, um, the other day I had somebody who's got a great company so far. They're one year in, they, they're doing about $100,000 revenue, and he thinks his business is worth a P.E. ratio of 8 to 12. Hmm. And I said, well, slow down. P.E. ratio, you're talking about a stock market valuation right now. Um, no, not happening. Um, I think a lot of people are really out of touch with current market valuations. And I think that's why, as you kind of touched on to begin the podcast, you need to really build a plan. Um, you know, I think a three-year plan is where you need to start because you need to understand what your real valuation is today and then figure out how you're going to get there three years down the road. Okay, so a business owner should not really be deciding today I'm going to go to a business broker and try and sell my business. Right. So I think part of this comes from, you know, knowledge. What I see is a lot of people compare themselves to those, you know, this is like our media in the country, right? They're always glamorizing the unicorn stories, mm. like, uh, you know, companies that do get eight and 10 times revenue. Um, that's out there for sure. The challenge is 95% of actual business transactions are private. And so mm. the people closest to those private transactions are the business brokers. Like we're in touch with modern day valuations. And I think, you know, there's honestly, there's not too much out there in the public sphere. All you see are these glamorous uh, valuations that people wind up getting. So they're comparing themselves to that. But, you know, that's not reality here. Um, so... So that's a big issue. Um, absolutely. Okay. Let's get into what reality is then for the small to medium business owner. Uh, I mean, you have a minimum. What's the minimum EBITDA so that uh, people qualify to work with you? Yeah. So to qualify work with digital acquisitions, it's kind of starts at $100,000 EBITDA, but really we should be using seller's discretionary earnings there. Mm -hmm. Any okay. business that you know, I'd say a general rule, rule, if your business is going to be valued at $5 million or less, we're going to kind of drill down to what your seller's discretionary earnings is. 
which in simple terms, that's, you know, what you as the owner take from the business, your salary, the profits of the business. If you have any personal expenses you're running through like your cell phone or maybe a car expense, um, you know, that's what I want to figure out. Number one, because we're going to base your valuation off that. If you're a larger business doing 5 million or, or sorry, if you're going to, you know, if your valuation is going to be 5 million or more then yeah, we're going to drill down that EBITDA number, which at the end of the day, you should be relying on a, an accountant that knows mm -hmm. these numbers, um, you know, to figure out what that metric is. Okay. So you're saying start at least three years ahead of time. So that means that that person who came to you with a one year business probably shouldn't have been thinking about selling yet. Yeah, I think so. Because when I think people all of a sudden want to sell their business, they usually are typically very disappointed hmm. in what their business is worth today. You know, people are going to pay you what your business is worth today. So I actually, I've been working on this more and more as I get involved in brokering. And I like to look at it as reverse engineering your exit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to us about that. Now you're focusing yeah. on software as a service firms. Yeah. So we specialize in SaaS. Um, we do work with e-commerce marketing agencies, really any online business. But yeah, our focus is SaaS. Um, so in terms of, you know, to get into reverse engineering the exit, what I, what I like to ask people, and I can give you an example because I just had this conversation yesterday. So I, I will ask them, you know, what do you want to walk away with? Let's start there. Okay, you want to, um, so this woman I was speaking to, she had a software business. She, want, she says, I want to walk away with $500,000. Okay, great. So let's now extrapolate like everything else that's involved. So you start, you want 500K, let's add on the brokerage fees, mm -hmm. which most online brokers, it's about 15%. Um, let's, and I'm just saying this conservatives, conservatively. So you've got brokerage fees, right? Um, let's also talk about, you're gonna have some escrow fees, right? So right there, if you wanna walk away with 500, now you're up to, you need to sell for 600K. You're gonna have lawyer fees, tax fees, um, which I'm not an expert on, but you should certainly figure out if you qualify for capital gains. Mm -hmm. um, so when you add all that in, let, let's say you do get capital gains, which is about 20% in America, you know, you need to sell your business for probably about $725,000 to walk away with 500K. So now if you need to get to a 725K valuation, for software as a service right now, I'd say the, you know, the median range is of a multiple of your SDE is gonna be about a three and a half to you know, five. Um, so if we go on a conservative basis, let's divide 725 divided by three and a half, um, you know, that's where your SDE needs to be at. Okay, okay, sounds and good. And, you know, and so for this woman, she needs to double her business. Right. You know, doubling your business in one year is very tough <laughs> for a lot of people. It's doable. But, you know, if you look at this over three years, you know, that's probably way more feasible. Right. And so that's why I say, you know, you should be looking at this at, at least three years out, um, thinking about what you want and, you know, deciding what it's going to take to go there. Right. And that's where, you know, I like to try and partner with people like yourself because your service is, you know, what can help people get there. Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. Like in order to get that 
double the sales, you're going to probably need to double or quadruple your marketing activity. And there's a yeah. cost associated with that. And you need to make sure your, your market can handle that. Does it actually have the customer base to do that? Or maybe you've got to open another office in a neighboring town or something, right? Uh, you might get, you might get exhausted. And that, this is something that I found over the years is most people really don't understand their numbers and could really use some clarity in that area. Uh, so let's talk for a moment about what things can help raise the valuation of a business, John. Yeah. Other than just earnings, right? And, and sales revenue. What else, what other factors go into raising that valuation? Well, if we're talking about SAFs, um, I'd say, you know, your top four things are going to be your age, any business that's three years or older, that's typically, you know, you're more proven, right? Um, so that helps. I think you need to look at the growth. Um, you know, obviously, if you're growing at 20, 30, 40% and sustaining that year after year, that's going to help you. Um, I think a lot of people, and this is the worst time to try and sell your business when you have that drop in revenue. Mm. That is like the ultimate valuation right. killer. I think if you had one variable to look at that's going to give a, uh, you know, increase your valuation, it's that growth. Um, not just your revenue growth, but your profit growth. And then I also like to look at the market trends. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's markets that are, you know, still hockey sticking. And then there are other markets that are, are flatlining. Right. You know, if you're in a market flatlining, people are going to be less um, inclined to try and get into that. Yeah. So sell on an up note, if at all possible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but you might be in, uh, I don't know, the laundromat business which is you probably set the thing up and year after year, it's kind of a cash cow, but it's not going to dramatically expand. It's not like, unless there's a huge influx of people into that area, say they built a new housing unit or something like that. It's probably pretty stable, right? So if you're going to sell that, then the standard's going to be a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the other things for SAS we look at is those typical metrics, right? What's your churn? Um, mm -hmm. I'd say, a, a, you know, a benchmark ratio of churn you want is less than 5%. Every, every industry and sector is going to be a little bit different, uh, but churn's definitely one. I also want to know what your customer acquisition cost is and lifetime customer value, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, you're, if that ratio of customer value to acquisition cost is not greater than three, you're most likely not growing your business. You're probably flatlining. If it's less than that, you're probably burning cash. Uh, so that's very important. Um, you know, the other things are a little more, not so quantitative, but qualitative, right? Uh, there's a thing called the Switzerland structure. Hmm. That deals with how much an owner is involved with the business. Um, this is something actually that just came up. Um, you know, a great business. It's two owners who run the whole business. Everything, all their work is outsourced. But what's killing their valuation um, is that these guys are integral to the business. Mm. These, this business can run, not run without these two guys. So you got to think a buyer coming in, he's thinking, I got to replace these guys. That's not easy. That takes time. That takes money and resources. So your valuation's going down. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you have a business where, you, you know, you're like, I do 10 hours of uh, work per week and I've got, you know, X amount of managers who just report to me and execute my vision. I mean, that's perfect. 
because that's easy for another buyer to come in and there can be a pretty swift transition plan in that scenario. And that's going to drive your valuation up. Okay. Um, and just two other things is sure. I think very important, especially for online businesses, acquisition channels. Um, you know, one thing like I hate, I, I hate and love drop shipping businesses because most of the guys who do it and do it well, like, yeah, they can make great money, but those businesses are worth nothing because they're doing it all with paid advertising. One yeah. acquisition channel. That's risky for a buyer coming in because they're going to be like, if I can do that as good as you, why would I pay you multiples of your uh, monthly you know, earnings for that? Hmm. So ideally, you want to have three to four acquisition channels with none of them being over 50% of your revenue um, is a good way to look at it. And also, you should understand the metrics with, with each of those acquisition channels. Um, right. Because that's something you can present to a buyer. Maybe somebody coming in is better at paid or better at affiliate or whatever the acquisition channel is. And they can see that as an opportunity. So that could be attractive when presenting your business. Right. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I'm going to second your point about separating these different metrics of each acquisition channel. That is a mistake that I see a lot is uh, small business owners trying to jam all their uh, distribution channels, their acquisition channels into one thing. And uh, they pollute the waters, right? It's hard to tell. Is this one better than that one? Uh, and they just come up with this homogenous customer acquisition cost. And right. it's not true. It's different for each, each uh, channel that you're using. And it would give you a lot of value to understand those. Because maybe you need to drop one or right. expand on one, right? Double down on one. So, but not more than 50%. Interesting. Yeah, I think that, you know, the more the merrier and the more you can be organic with mm -hmm. organic traffic, that's, I mean, that's the ultimate because that's right. brand recognition, right? And, you know, that's another thing that can drive up the value is your brand. Okay. Let's talk about intellectual property for a moment. Uh, that stuff's floating around in people's heads in the organization. This is a law, but I know the answer to it. <laughs> what can people do to capture that intellectual property who maybe haven't even thought about it until they come and meet with someone like you and then go, Oh, the valuation is really low. Yeah. So IP, you know, this is a tricky thing because especially in a SaaS business, I, you know, I met someone the other day who says I will never ever work on trying to pattern it, to do a pattern for my IP because it's so hard to fight. It's so hard to justify that it's, exclusive because you know there's so many ways to go about coding software mm -hmm. and you know like one line of code i'm sure a good lawyer could could uh argue that this is not the same thing right um so yeah this uh serial entrepreneur who's done five or five or six businesses now he says i don't even focus on that because if i build great ip and if i build my business fast enough and make it attractive you know the competitors out there aren't going to care and try to mimic me. And that's what you see a lot with, you know, these larger strategic acquisitions. When companies get that, you know, escape velocity and grow so fast, um, and those larger valuations, the bigger companies looking at it like, all right, look at what they've done. Now let's consider how much resources we would have to put to build what they do, not just, you know, the product, but that distribution channel. Um, you know, if we can take this and just apply it across our distribution channels and still make the ROI, you know, it's worth it to pay a premium on this. 
Mm-hmm. That's where, you know, that's where those unicorn um, valuations come in. Those larger companies, they know they can get their return on investment. And that's why they're willing to pay eight times revenue and whatnot. Um, so IP, yeah, it's um, for, for the most small businesses, honestly, it's probably not going to factor in, but it does. Um, so hard to say, to be perfectly um, All right. But it, they, they need to have that stuff written down is yeah. the important thing here, right? Extracted from the people who have it in their heads and use it every day. We get it written down into processes and documents, videos, that kind of thing, right? Uh, if it isn't recorded, it doesn't really exist. Yeah, and that's a, that's a huge risk, to, risk, especially for software development, because, you know, if you've got one coder leading the team, you know, most coders hate working on other coders' work, right. right? So if you've got this lead coder, he should be documenting his thoughts on how he's developing the software. Um, <laughs> you know, if he leaves, you don't want to be screwed by that, and that could yeah. certainly hurt. So I think, you know, in terms of systemizing things, listen, the best businesses are built on systems, right? You need systems to grow a business. And, you know, the more systems you have and the more documentation you have of those systems, I don't think it necessarily, the documentation would necessarily grow your valuation, but what it does is makes your business more transferable. It makes the sale quicker because all that's ready to go. And that's why I think what your, you know, what your, your service is so valuable is that it's going to allow another owner to come in and take over that business, you know, especially for an owner. If you want to exit the business fast, you need all of that documentation. And uh, my firm has a great uh, document, Exit On Demand. We talk about this. Really, anything that's repetitive in your business, you should mm-hmm. have documented, um, and I'm not sure if you ever read that book, Built to Sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's like the McDonald's thing, right? right. <laughs> you want to know how to make the hamburger, how often you got to flip the, the meat patty, and you know, what you do with the buns, how much ketchup you put on it. It's, it's the same exact thing for not just software, but really any business. This right. is going to help transfer you and get out um, faster. Right. So when you're getting ready for an exit, you want to systemize things. You've got a number of areas you want to systemize uh, listed in our notes here. Let's cover them real quick. I'll let you talk about these things. Yeah. So really, uh, you know, number one, as we touched on the product development, um, that's a big one, you know, product development, software development, and really everything in your business, your sales and marketing processes, your customer success processes, your administration, your financial management, um, the more the merrier. There's nothing that you shouldn't document. Let's put it like that. All these systems should be in place and documented. Um, you know, cause that's, again, that goes back to building the system, right? How do you train people? If you don't have these systems in place and documentation that makes your training harder, that makes your onboarding harder. That's more money. That's resources you're wasting. Right. Yeah, and the more these are written down, the bigger the clarity you've got on it and the easier it is to hand it to the new owner and the owner to go, oh, okay, I, this isn't that bad. I get to go implement this now, right? I understand it. Whereas if you don't have it and it's in Mary from HR's head, <laughs> what am I buying? Yeah. What, what have I got if I do buy it, right? We're not so sure. So anything repetitive and, and uh, you know, 
something that maybe, even if it doesn't seem complex to you, should be documented. I have a document for this podcast. And right. I've got a process written down for how I do it. And uh, if, if I wanted to have somebody else run the whole thing for me, I could just hand it off to them. And they would go, wow, this is easy. <laughs> but if you're having to figure it out again, time after time after time, even if you as, the, as a participant in the business do it again and again, you're still figuring it out from scratch every time. And that's just not efficient. And I think you just hit it. Like the validation is if you can hand a document to somebody new, knows nothing about your business and can just read it and then go execute it, then you've done it right. All right. And, and one final thing here you've got is isolating personal expenses from business expenses. Talk to us about commingling and how bad that is yeah, as an issue. That's, you know, that's certainly, listen, anybody coming in to buy your business, they want to know about every single expense that shows up on your P&L. <laughs> and you have to prove, you know, that this is personal, this is business. So how do you do that? Again, it comes back to documentation. Um, because this is also a larger, you know, this goes back to also figuring out and drilling down to that seller's discretionary earnings, right? You know, personal expenses, you can add that back to increase your valuation. But how do you prove that? Um, you know, if you're going out and having lunches and whatnot on the company's behalf, like you better save that receipt and write a note on it that says this was personal. Um, you know, the other thing I you know, to kind of touch on this a little more, what I see too is a company that, you know, it's a larger parent company and then they have multiple assets. Maybe they have two hmm. different software products, right? And so they want to sell one software product. So now my first question to them is how do you, how do you prove what resources you're using for product A and what resources are going to product B? Right. Because like if you have shared labor in that, um, in that instance, like that's very challenging to prove that, hey, employee A spends 70% of his time here and 30% of his time here. It's like, yeah, how do you prove that to me? Unless you're, you know, doing time management, um, mm -hmm. time tracking with your employees, like how else can you prove that? Um, so somebody's gonna fight you that, fight you on that, on the valuation. Um, so again, that systemization and documentation is so important so you can get that maximum valuation. Okay. And again, we've seen plenty of examples of folks who have gone through 20 years of owning a business and then go to sell it and they don't have anything documented. So yep. it's kind of like planting the tree. The best time to start documenting is 20 years ago. Uh, maybe now, <laughs> today is the next best time. No, that's, you know, 100% correct. You should start this today because this will help you, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are not even thinking about selling the business right now. And that's fine. You know, you as a business owner will know when, when that time is right. But there, you know, this systemization and documentation, you can start that now. There's nothing to prevent you from starting that now. And this is only going to serve you down the road because you don't want like, you know, for me and my family business, it took us two years to sell the business. And this was one of the things we had to do over and over, go back and document everything. Um, you know, and we actually were about 50% 50 50 of the way there when we started our negotiation, but we spent a lot of time um, getting back into this. So it's, uh, I think, you know, for the business owner, you should be relying on the employees that do that work every day 
to build these out for you. Um, you know, it's, it's not much work. They can do it as they're going along. Mm -hmm. Take screenshots, you know, simple PDF documents. That, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, yeah, some satellite network high tech thing. It's a habit more than anything. All right. So, John, uh, who, who should be approaching you? Who is the best kind of person? What position are they in uh, to be getting most use out of you? Yeah. I mean, if you're a business owner, a founder, uh, we work with any online business. So I'm happy at any time to give you a real valuation today. And, you know, at a high level, talk about some strategies and, you know, what you can do now to start preparing for that exit down the road. Um, and even for me, I'm trying to be like a full cycle resource for people. So I'm working on all those connections, people who are experts in, you know, systems and documentation like yourself, people who are sales and marketing experts in, you know, whatever it may be, SaaS, Amazon stores, um, you know, I, it's, I, for me, I want to do my best to help you along your journey so that when it does come time to do an exit, you know, we're prepared and ready and I can do my best for you to get your business sold fast. Cause the last thing anybody wants is to, um, you know, be drawn out in a negotiation for a years on end. That sucks. I, you know, I did that and that's emotionally taxing. So let's get prepared now. Let's get everything lined up so that when the time comes and you're ready, you know, we can do this, you know, execute and, hopefully get your business sold within, you know, three, four months. Um, that's pretty fast. Okay. So our objective today has been to educate you, the business owner, about what it takes to get a good valuation for your business and a quick sale, which, as, uh, as John has said, is going to take about a season. Let's get that real, right? Um, but to get the number you want, you're going to have to probably reverse engineer it, and you should start beforehand. Begin you know, build the ark before the storm, right? <laughs> Get that uh, money target up there and start building backwards. And guys like me can talk to you about how to build that out. Um, what kind of lead generation process do you need to support that money target at the end there, right? And get these systems and processes all documented up. All right, John, uh, what can people do to get a hold of you if they are ready to begin talking to you? Yeah, absolutely. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, my uh, address is LinkedIn slash in slash SaaS business broker. Pretty easy. Or you can email me john.garudi at digitalacquisitions.co. And, you know, happy to set up a, uh, a chat and start talking about your business and how I can be of service. Okay, fantastic. My guest today has been John Garudi of Digital Acquisitions, a brokerage firm. We've learned a lot. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Jason.